This is the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast, episode number six. Home improvements, home renovations, home maintenance, home repairs, and all the other challenges of home ownership. Welcome to the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. Well, hello, folks. My name is Doug, and on this week's episode of the Thumb and Hammer Podcast, I have a conversation with John Gerard from ourhomefromscratch.com. Well, maybe conversation isn't quite the right word. One of an interviewer's greatest fears is the dreaded one-word answer that just grinds the conversation to a halt. And as you'll see, that didn't happen here. John is very passionate when it comes to home improvements and DIY and woodworking. So, you know, there's not a whole lot of me in the conversation, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Anyway, here's my talk with John from Our Home From Scratch. My guest today is John Gerard from OurHomeFromScratch.com, which is a home improvement blog, part DIY, part woodworking, lots of good stuff. I'll let him tell you more about it in just a moment. Welcome to the Thumb and Hammer Podcast, John. Doug, thanks for having me, man. It's great to be here. So why don't we start by you introducing yourself? Sure. Yeah, great. Uh, I started blogging at ourhomefromscratch.com around four years ago. Um, it's about a year after we moved into our current home. And this is the second home my wife and I have owned, owned together. This home is, is new construction. And uh, we're in South Jersey, a little outside of Philly. So we started blogging because we, um, we were just doing a lot of stuff around the house. We had done a lot of uh, home improvement projects in our in our previous property, and we just thought we had a lot to a lot to share with what we were doing. But we kind of took a look at what the other blogs were doing, and and I actually wasn't much of a blog reader at the time at all. I don't think I had read a single blog up until one day my wife is like, "Hey, you know what? There's a lot of people online talking about their home projects and and the stuff they're doing around the house. We do a ton of work. Uh, have you ever thought about starting a blog?" And I I did I barely I don't think I even knew what one was. And so within a week, I had sat down and looked at a few, maybe a couple dozen blogs and said, hey, yeah, we can definitely do this. And we have, we have a voice that we, we, we think is unique and, and we could probably, hey, you know, have a lot of fun with this. So we kind of initially started off uh, with it as a hobby. And uh, we posted about everything when we first started. You know, uh, my wife would talk about cooking, and and I did stuff on landscape lighting, and uh, so it was a lot of fun. But we, over the last few years, we just kind of narrowed down to what um, the, our readers sort of uh, gravitated to. We got a lot of positive feedback on some of our carpentry projects, and and we ended up doing a lot of cabinet builds, some built-ins, uh, some some basic organizing stuff, and. Um, People just really sort of like that. It resonated with a lot of readers. So, uh, so that's what we mo- mainly do right now. Is is we tend to lean towards the woodworking stuff. Um, the last big project we did, which you can see on our site, is uh, a, a home office remodel. So we tend to slow walk things to death. We worked on our home office for over. Like, it took us about a year. So last Christmas, Christmas of 2013. We ripped out wall-to-wall carpeting. We installed a hardwood floor. So after that was done, we um, added a coffered ceiling, which took a few months. Um, kind of a uni- unique approach to the coffered ceiling, if, if you're interested in seeing what that looks like. Um, 
wrapped the coffered ceiling in drywall, the crown molding, and then we spent a few months building some custom uh, cabinets and, and um, a filing cabinet straight right from scratch, essentially. So we took some poplar and some plywood and, 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 and we built it to fit the dimensions of the room as opposed to going out and buying something. Or um, So we kind of exactly, we, we figured, we started with what, what we wanted to do with the space and how we were going to use it and then kind of built from there. That's kind of what we're doing now is right well actually right now we're doing a uh, a vestibule project uh we we added some chair rail up the steps in, in and around the vestibule and then we're, we we got to do some shadow boxes in there um so that's what we're working on around and, and the blog um yeah we've have we have geez around 400 posts from the past 4 years um uh, a lot of stuff we have a lot of stuff coming up but um, it's, it's mostly, I think the, the best takeaway is if, if you're, if you're interested in, in learning how to do trim or molding, uh, a, a little better or, um, see the processes like to build, build your own cabinet. If you have, if you have uh, if you want to build a bookshelf or something in, in your anywhere, I mean, we, we pretty much kind of walk you through what, what that process is like and, and from picking materials out to, uh, construction, working with power tools, uh, we have a YouTube channel. Uh, where we kind of maybe a couple dozen videos, which we're, we're continuing to to put some content up on there too, where we are uh, trying to show some of those techniques. And uh, I, I'm not a professional woodworker. Uh, just kind of came into it because I'm cheap and I don't like paying somebody to do it and uh, buying stuff at stores. And mostly not because I didn't like the stuff I see in stores. You know, I, I love restoration hardware and Pottery Barn and IKEA. I think their products are, are really good. I just uh, usually like we just want to tweak one or two things, and and it ends up being just easier and cheaper uh, just to do it yourself. So, um, and you know, if you kind of you like working on that stuff, it's nice to get in the basement and get in the shop for a few hours, a couple nights a week, and and kind of put something together that you you know you you was an idea on paper and that you can turn into something physical. So, so that's what's going on with me. Um, yeah. So, so, which came first with you? Was it the uh, the woodworking or the uh, the home improvement stuff that was your yeah, first was your first interest? Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. So, uh, I guess to start you out, the, the go way back when, um, my background is in engineering and, uh, a mechanical engineer. Uh, and when I came out of school and just growing up in general, I, I was not a handy dude. I know you, you, uh, in your first podcast, you talked about, you know, not having, you know, uh, being terribly mechanically inclined and, and neither was I, I kind of, um, you know, was a hobbyist. I was a kid and did rockets and all that stuff. But you know, I, I didn't. I never ever did woodworking or any any home improvement projects. My dad always called, uh, you know, contractors, and we just we did some stuff. But you know, um, he could build a deck actually. Uh, but you know, and I would help him with that stuff. But uh, we didn't do any like just general home maintenance or home improvement projects. So after I got out of school and I uh, was living with some buddies for a. Um, a couple of years, you know, renting. Actually, it's a funny story. I got a. I was at work one day, and um, I got a voicemail from my dad. And this is God. This is back in two thousand and three, and he he leaves me this voicemail, and he's like, "Hey, Johnny, it's your dad. Uh, hope you're doing good. It's Wednesday morning. Give me a buzz later. I think you should buy a house." <laughs> so I was like, "What?" I, I I just didn't get. It. I was like, "What are you talking about?" So I called him back. I'm like, "Yeah, what's what's going on?" And he's like, "You know." It, so he kind of gave me pers- some perspective and, and, if, and to some of your older listeners or you can, I guess you can kind of orientate some, some of the younger folks, but back in the eighties, you know, when I was, when I was a baby, 
uh, house in, you know, home interest rates for home loans and mortgages were you know well above ten percent. I think their first mortgage rate uh, for the first first home they bought back in um, eighty or eighty one was like in fourteen, fifteen, sixteen percent or something just crazy. Oh, yeah, I remember those days. Um, so and uh, you may have you know personal history with that, but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I think at the time, back in 2003, I was looking at 6.5%. So he's like, dude, you, you just really need to buy a house, stop renting. You can buy something on your salary. And so, uh, you know, okay, I guess sounds like a good idea. So I, you know, looked at a couple of houses, didn't really look very hard, didn't have a huge budget, bought something. Um, God, it was like the third house I saw, I think. I was <laughs> didn't really do a lot of homework on it. Uh, figured I could, you know, I kind of had this mentality like I, I could, hey, I'm young. Um, I wasn't married, didn't have kids or anything yet. I had a, all the time in the world. I wasn't doing anything at night. I was like, I could fix this house up in a couple months. It, you know, and it, the house I ended up buying, if I had to do it again, um, it's kind of a double-edged sword. So, I mean, looking back, I learned everything I know now from home improvement skills, from cabinet building to flooring and plumbing and electrical and ev- roofing, everything I, I, I learned there. And I learned because I had to. But, you know, I, if I had to do it again, I, know, I don't know if I'd buy the house. I mean, it was such, it needed so much work. A hundred year old house it was probably built in like the first decade of the, of the 20th century. Um, and when I had bought it, I bought it from. Uh, a woman whose whose mother had lived there, and she the mother had passed away, and um, so I met her at closing. This house was a row home in Philadelphia. It was is it's in it was sort of near Maniunk. If anyone's familiar with the Philadelphia area, who's listening to this, but um, just classic Philadelphia row home, very nice stone front, beautiful, just beautiful exterior. Um, and the house hadn't really been updated since the '60s, so. Uh, so when I met the the woman who sold it to me was she was the daughter of the woman who who had owned it, and she told me her and her like her six siblings were raised in this house and it was three bedrooms, one bath. I was like, oh, wow, God, I don't know how people did that then, but uh, I think it's a common story from from folks in that that era. But um, I, wow, so uh, I ended up ripping the shag carpet. I did this house completely backwards. So if, if I had to, t- anyone who's listening to this, you know, just in general, anyone who ever asks me, Hey, I'm thinking about buying a fixer upper. Uh, what do I do first? And, and um, the, the best piece of advice I can give anybody is to gut it. Just, just gut it. You know, if I spent so much time trying to fish wires through plaster walls and, and try to maintain everything. And, and it, it's not like it had gorgeous plaster wall. I mean, everything was needed to come out anyway. The walls weren't insulated. The exterior walls weren't insulated. The electrical was old. Um, you know, everything, need, every, every single surface in that house needed to be redone. So, um, yeah, I, I would just, if I had to do that house again, I would have gutted it to, to the barrel studs, insulated it, you fixed the floors and kind of, you know, done the electrical and the plumbing from, from there. But, uh, I ended up making the mistake of just ripping out the shag carpeting, which you know, needed to be done. But my dad's like, Hey, listen, just rip, let's rip the carpet out, refinish the floors, you know, hire somebody to do that. And we'll, then the floors will be good. And then you can move in. I'm like, well, yeah, that makes it, that makes a ton of sense. And, and, and I did that, spent a couple grand, had some contractors do that. And, uh, the floors look awesome. They looked immaculate. Um, it looked like, a, you know, it looked like, it really looked like a different home overnight after a couple of days and, and a couple of coats of polyurethane. Uh, God, the place is gorgeous. But uh, the walls and the trim were still beat up. There's still like one outlet in every room. Some bedrooms didn't have an outlet. It was, it was, it was a nightmare from that perspective. Just functionally, it wasn't great. But uh, so 
if you're thinking about doing the floors first, do not do that. The next five or six years, we ended up, uh, what did I do? I, you know, gutted the walls and, and knocked the plaster and it just, and the floors ended up getting killed again. So I ended up having to get the floors refinished again, or at least, you know, recoded with polyurethane before we, before we moved out. But, um, God, that was a mistake. So I, you know, I just spent the next, uh, I lived there for maybe six or seven years and, and spent the next several, you know, that time learning project by project, how to do everything. And mostly because I just didn't, you know, I didn't have a lot of money and, and I knew what I wanted. And I knew how I wanted it done. And if I did have to pay for something, I made sure I I watched them do it. If I had to hire somebody, I, I turned it into a lesson, I mean, a, a kind of a life experience. So I'd have a plumber come over and say, listen, uh, I took a swing at tricks in this. I couldn't do it. What are you going to do? I want to watch it. And then they, they're most of the time, the people in the trades like that, they're, you know, they're, they're glad that people are interested in their profession and, and they're happy to teach you. So, um, well, part part of that comes from they they don't want to yeah. be bothered doing like the small projects. So if they can, right, yeah, you know, because right. it's not worth their time, you know, for something simple. So if you can learn right. the basics and get the basics done, exactly. Yeah, yeah. you're right. And and uh, one particular example of this was I had I had to go to a work trip and I I had some drywall guys hanging drywall and back then back then I didn't do drywall. Actually, today I don't know if I would do drywall. I can do it. I just don't. It's it's a lot of work. And and you know one of the good things about you know, getting and developing your own DIY and home improvement skills is you can you can learn how to do everything and then pick what you want to do. You don't have to do everything. So, um, so anyway, back then I was I was having these guys drywall the house, and and uh, it was the day before a big work trip. I had actually go to overseas. I had to go to Asia, and um, my dad was over, and we were doing some other stuff around the house, and um, it was kind of a rainy day, kind of not. It was drizzling outside a little bit, and. Um, all of a sudden, we just start to get this gush, like a straight up gush of water, into the living room from the, from the ceiling, and on the first floor. And my first reaction is, "Oh man!" And it was probably the first big rainstorm, maybe the day before or something. So I was thinking, "Man, I have a roof leak. This stinks." And it was a lot of water coming in. And then I, you know, opened the window and looked outside, and it actually wasn't raining at all. And I was like, "Okay, not a good sign." So. You know, you, you kind of know where this is going, right? So, the drywall guys had put a drywall screw for one of, through one of my water supply lines, um, and this is like five or six at night. So, you know, we go to the basement, turn the water off, and me and my dad look at each other. And my dad's like, "Hey, I, yeah, I think we can take a swing of fixing this. Let's go over to the hardware store. We'll get some, you know, some unions and all that stuff." And so we went out. We bought a propane tour, you know, the, you know, whatever it is, and uh, the, the flux and the solder, and we got a couple couplings, and you know, we were able to get the screw out. And, and um, but for the next five or six hours, for the life, of, we could not stop this thing from leaking. So we we would torch it on and solder it. We turn the water back on, and it would just spray water everywhere. We're like, oh, this is the worst. Uh, so we didn't know what we were doing wrong, and, and, and you know, um, this was before the era of YouTube and the internet. Well, it was during the era of the internet, but there wasn't. I mean, it was not my first reaction. Nowadays, is how do I do something? First place you go is YouTube, right? Um, th- this wasn't the case back then. So we called my uncle, and he, you know, he kind of said, "Yeah, you're doing it right. I don't know what's going on." So my dad left and I'm like, all right, I got to get this fixed tonight. I had a roommate and, you know, I was going to Asia. I'm like, I can't have this not functional. So I called an emergency plumber line and this guy showed up at like, I don't know, two in the morning or something. And, and he's like, okay, 
uh, this is how I'm going to fix it. And, uh, and he, he walked me through the whole process. Tell, you know, tell me what I did wrong. Basically I didn't cut the section out. Just, just so you know, I didn't, uh, we were trying to put the coupling sleeve right over the puncture mark oh. and that was a bad idea. <laughs> so we had to cut that whole section out and then he, he put like a, ended up putting three pieces in. He put in two couplings and a, and a sleeve in between them. And then he showed me how he worked the flush, you know, with the flux and the brush and all that stuff around, around it while he was heating it. And it was great. I mean, I paid 250 bucks for this lesson, but it was, it was a lesson in plumbing and I haven't had to pay, you know, for a, really a plumber to do anything like that since. So, uh, and nowadays you have shark bites and, and gator bites and all that stuff that would have helped back then. But, um, yeah, I just try to make a point of, of, of doing that back then. So essentially, even though you started with the hardwood floors doing things out of order, uh, you ended up pretty much gutting the, that entire house and yeah. uh, doing the whole yep. thing. Yeah. So we pretty much, um, I so I sort of worked the house over in, in in a couple different ways. Back in 2003, I really didn't know what I was doing, and I, I was kind of naive that in in how I thought and how quickly I'd. I really, I thought it'd be done very quickly. And then I thought, you know, the, the plaster walls and all the things that looked terrible, I'd be able to just patch myself. And so I had just generally didn't know what I was doing at the time and then kind of learned over time. But I, I, I was smart enough back then, um, you know, early twenties to know that I, I, the kitchen and the bathroom were the most important areas of the house. And, 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 you know, pretty much most people know that if you're, if you're trying to add value to your home, um, people really look at the kitchen and the bathroom. If you're going to sell the house, that's, that's one of the biggest areas people look at, you know, how functional is it? How, how pretty is it? So I just wanted to get those areas done right. And back then I didn't, I didn't really know, um, how I was going to do them. So I kind of just, I, I just took a pass on them. I didn't, I didn't do anything with them and they needed a lot of work. Um, the kitchen was really beat up. The bathroom was terrible. Um, but you know, I just, I figured I'd wait. Plus I didn't have a ton of money at the time. So, so the, kind of like the first phase of renovation over the course of a year, like 2002, 2003 timeframe, I, um, just did the floors and, and upgraded the whole house's wiring Had an electrician come in and, um, put a new breaker panel in and I was able to, I was able to follow along with him and watch, watch how he did all that and ran wires and, and what, you know, what gauge to use and 15 amps versus 20 amps and, um, that whole, uh, learning experience was, was hugely beneficial. So, um, it was mostly the floors, the electrical, uh, did a little bit of drywall work and then just, you know, kind of did some painting and, and some stuff like that. So, uh, and then, you know, I didn't want to, um, I, I kind of took a couple years off. I did a little things around the house here and there, but, uh, I honestly didn't get back into it until another few, few years later. And, and then in 2007, I kind of re gutted the house. <laughs> Essentially I, I gutted the kitchen took that took that back down to its its furring strips and cinder block walls i knocked out the completely gutted the bathroom and i um gutted a lot of the ceilings in the house so the whole first floor ceiling was out uh updated some of the duct work to add returns in the second floor and uh i spent that like next year year and a half at from that point on kind of working the kitchen and and actually what what really helped was uh prior to that i should back up a little bit i how do you gut a bathroom in a home with one bathroom, right? Because, I mean, it, it, it was out of commission for months. So I, uh, maybe in 2006 or so, I, I added a second bathroom in the basement. So I was able to add a full shower, 
a toilet, a sink, uh, wash, uh, washer and dryer were down in that space. Uh, cl- really cleaned that basement area up nice. And uh, I had a fully functional bathroom for, for that time period while the, the main bathroom was out of, out of, out of whack. Um, so when I was selling this home a few years later, I was selling a three-bedroom, one-bath. I was selling a three-bedroom, two-bath. Uh, and I think that made a lot of difference because most of those homes, especially when you get in those city areas where you have really old historic homes or at least, you know, 100 years old or so, um, having that extra bath is really a big deal. So once the kitchen was gutted, I, yeah, I spent the next year just kind of working in there, framed the place, um, ended up actually having an ele- hiring an electrician and a plumber to do that whole – they ended up redoing most of the plumbing in the house uh, at that point. Um, Philly is Philly is a funny city. So this is this house is in Philadelphia, and and you really can't actually you're, you really can't you can't at all you can't pull permits for your own if you're a homeowner you can't pull permits for plumbing or electrical work. Um, it's just this weird thing. Kind of makes sense because they're all row homes, and if you screw it up, you're going to burn your house down, and you're going to take out the whole block. I ended up hiring an electrician and a plumber to do that work, uh, but again was able to watch them. And by then, people were using PEX, so it was it was just it was pretty cheap. It wasn't that bad. So framed the walls, was able to add new insulation in the kitchen, uh, new windows, new doors, skylights. Um, the cabinets w- was a fun project. So I had the option of buying something, and I just really liked the look, the look of, of some of these. Um, a lot of the higher-end cabinets tend to have inset doors, right? So they, they are, you can get a cabinet at, at your local um, supply house or a cabinet distributor, and and the custom cabinet works, you know, they tend to be painted cabinets with inset doors. So I really like that look. And um, I uh, kind of slowly built up some confidence with, with carpentry during that time. And I had really had no intention of building my own, but it ended up just kind of talking myself into it. Um, I, I built a vanity, like a vanity front for the for this bathroom basement. Um, because I just needed something custom and I was, I was thinking about, okay, well, I'll just go to the store and I'll buy this thing and then I'll cut it and cut it and like cut all these parts out. And then you know, I just kind of st- stepped back and said, God, you know, I'm really just putting, I just need maybe a couple pocket screws here, kind of figured out how to do a face frame and, you know, did something for like 20 bucks. And it, it was, so that was kind of an epiphany. I, I, I was able to build something custom for this small little section of the house, built the doors for it. Um, after watching like New Yankee Workshop a couple of times, and it was like, you know, this really isn't that bad. A table saw. I don't think I had any special tools back then. I had a you know table, a decent table saw with a dado blade, and um, kind of started just incrementally. Like you know, you do one small thing because you need to, and then it just kind of you just kind of learn the next step and the next step. So um, back in 2007, I, I you know just kind of convinced myself, all right, you know, I, I, I think I can build my own kitchen cabinets. This doesn't seem that un, you know, undoable. This seems pretty, seems pretty reasonable. So, uh, you know, watch the, watch some more videos and, and um, I was able to do it. So I spent, you know, maybe a few months putting some plans together and, um, um, Kind of developed an attack strategy in the layout of, of the kitchen that I wanted to do, and uh, I ended up doing a, a white cabinet, painted white cabinets, uh, inset doors, shaker doors, uh, and, and actually, if you if you go to our blog, um, a lot of the pre plans I have, I still I still really like, <clears throat> excuse me, st- still really like inset shaker doors. Uh, it's it, it's something I like. So uh, most of my plans tend to have that look to them, but. Um, the office cabinets, we just did have those. I've kind of gotten better at them and, and figured out ways to, to make them a little easier. And I'm still 
Um, still working on that. Actually, one of the YouTube videos I have, um, actually, for very maybe uh, 20 YouTube videos or something, but I have one that's got like 300,000 views. It's insane. Holy smokes. Um, it's nuts. And it's it's a DOI, it's a tutorial on how to make a, a, an inset shaker door. And uh, I've actually changed the process several times since that video, but for whatever reason, that video just caught on. So um, I think, yeah, people like that look. So I, I ended up, you know, getting a very custom looking kitchen um, for a guy two grand. You know, I probably would have spent fifteen or twenty getting custom cabinetry done if I went to a cabinet shop and said, "Hey, this is this is what this is the general look I want." I was able to add stock crown molding to it. Um, I had I actually bought the the door the the drawer uh, boxes. So the drawer boxes. So when you open the drawers, uh, the fronts were, were were made by me, but the actual box themselves I bought from a company online in California. And they they they're dovetailed, they're pre-dovetailed, and you just basically you can buy them assembled, you can buy them disassembled, already polyurethaned. Um, so I bought those online. They came shipped, just assembled them with some wood glue, slapped another coat of polyurethane on the joints, and put them in. Um, what else did I do with that set? Um, you remember the name of that company? Nice soft closing um, drawer slides. Um, oh, the the plywood. I ended up using pre-polyurethane plywood for the insides of the cabinet. So I, I you know, just kind of wanted to make it efficient as possible and not spend a year on these things. So, um, and it, you know, at the time the whole house was still kind of all coming up together as part of that renovation. So, um, it, I had the whole house to work on these, you know, if you don't have the space to work on cabinets like that, you know, a good 15 cabinets or something, it's forget it. I mean, space is the, is the main thing you need if you're going to do that. So uh, I had spaces and abundance in that in that place at the time. Uh, my so we ended up getting married. Uh, maybe I was still working on the kitchen when we got married, but that was my goal was to get the kitchen done before we got married. And I had to do the. We got married in May, and I think I probably had the doors on those cabinets in like in in June, July. So it was still a work in progress. And then we ended up selling that house two years later. We ended up doing pretty well. Uh, and we sold it very quickly. We sold it in two days. Uh, we listed it in a, on a Monday, and we were under contract Wednesday night with the buyer. So that was fun. But yeah, I mean, my, the biggest takeaway from that house for me was was the I there was the development of kind of like an all purpose skill set. Like I can do plumbing, I can do electrical, and, and that stuff is is nice um, to be able to do that if when you need to. And the other thing was the just learning how to build cabinets and and, and kind of throw that stuff together, and and getting your own look and customization to that was was um, was probably worth the price of the house, I guess. Yeah, you you mentioned that you got the uh, the drawer boxes from uh, yeah from a company. Do you remember the uh, what company that was? I believe it's uh, Western Dovetail, uh, but I will email you so you can post a link to it. But they uh, great company to work with. You you can go online. There's a couple companies online that that will do that customization for you. So you just they have a form online and. Um, it's like it's it's like buying anything online nowadays. I guess you can just kind of put the dimensions of of, of what you want to do and what you want to build, and uh, they'll ship them for you. Yeah, and they were pretty reasonably priced. I, it was worth it to buy them un, un, unassembled, uh, just to save in, on um, on the additional assembly costs. But um, you know, I, I was kind of knee deep in, in that in the house by then, and I just didn't want to spend more time learning how to do the dovetail jig and and, and learning that whole process. It was just, uh, it wasn't worth it to me. So it was worth the convenience. I probably paid maybe 300 bucks for a kitchen's worth of drawers, 
which was probably like six drawers or something like that. That's not bad. Um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It, it, it was you know, in the grand scheme of things. Um, yeah. You know, and you figure out how much a kitchen would have cost you if you, uh, if you'd hired the whole thing out. But, exactly. You know, we, we hear a lot about cabinet refacing where, yep. you know, you can get a company to make new doors for you. You don't hear so much about making the, uh, the drawer boxes and that sort of thing for you. So, yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And, and you could, so. I mean, if, if you really wanted that, if you, if you have like more of a basic kitchen and you wanted to update it and add some more um, flavor to it or some higher end looks to it, yeah, you can absolutely go online. You can take your drawers out and you can figure out what you need to, um, what you, what sizes you need. I think the challenge for a lot of people, if, if you're if you're a DIYer and, and you're like, okay, well, geez, where do I even start with that? Um, for me, it was starting with the the drawer slides. So every drawer slide manufacturer uh, should, or if they they don't, they need to. Um, I use Bloom, B-L-U-M, Bloom uh, drawer slides. And if you go to their website, they actually have um, drawer box planning tools. So they have an Excel spreadsheet that you can download for free. And you can basically put in some simple um, cabinet information. So how big, okay, how wide is your cabinet? How deep is your cabinet? Is it an inset door or drawer or is it an, or is it an overlay drawer setup? And uh, it will spit out basically what your drawer box dimensions need to be. And so you just take those dimensions, go to this company, or, or, or you can build them yourself from those dimensions, but you can just go to a company and say, okay, I need three of these, and I want them in maple or whatever. You can do solid hardwood. You could probably do plywood with a veneered edge on them. I ended up getting, I think, solid maple uh, for that price back then. But yeah, at, at little conveniences like those, just really make it easier if if you're if you're overwhelmed by the whole building process. You can just stick with building the cabinet boxes and the face frames. You can like like you said, you can you can buy doors online. Um, if you're interested in refinishing your kitchen, there, there's definitely some cheats you could use, and that's one of them. Yeah, because I think a lot of people, you know, you, you want the bragging rights that I did the kitchen myself or exactly. I did this exactly. myself, and you know, the, you don't have to do the whole thing yourself. No, you don't. You really don't. And and you know, people. You tell someone, hey, yeah, yeah, well, okay, I, I, I built the cabinets. They're like, wow. I mean, they're not going to care if you didn't build the boxes, you know. They're going to be like, holy crap, this looks great. Um, and you know, the people who we ended up selling the house to, they had no idea we built them. They, you know, they. Um, I think after we closed, we were doing a walkthrough, and they, they were, we were standing in the kitchen, and the, the kitchen really at the time, and we we ended up opening up a, a load bearing wall and had had beams put in. We had some some masonry guys do that. Um, so the kitchen just the whole house just flowed and it was it was it was really nice but uh, we were hanging out in the kitchen with the new home buyers and they're like yeah this ki- this kitchen's great you, you guys really did a great job at this and, and you know like yeah thanks you know we, we you know we built the cabinets ourselves they're like wait what they're like, yeah we kind of threw them together in a few months just you know, it wasn't done with, oh like, you you people can do this like, yeah yeah it's not that big of a deal <laughs> I mean it's it's a big deal if you've never done it before and I, I'm still like. You know, pat myself on the back like ten years later, but it, you know, it, it you do it, it. It's a project worth doing, I thought. But you know, people don't like. It, it can't even wrap their heads around that that homeowners can do that kind of stuff. It's it's it's, it's a challenge, but it's it's not impossible, and it's it's certainly you got you know, to know the measurements, you got to know the layout. Yeah. But what you're basically building is a series of boxes. Exactly. That's you're that's the, right. the, the you know, it's... and then all the artistry goes into the uh, the fronts, the um, right, the doors and the drawer fronts. Right. Do you want to route an edge on the edge of the doors? Do you want, uh, you know, do you want shaker? Do you want raised panel? You know, that that's you get a little more challenging in that in that respect. Shaker was easy because you could. I just use plywood uh, center panels. 
But if you wanted to do a raised panel, then that would involve um, gluing together pieces of solid wood and, and, and routing that edge on there. And I, you know, uh, you really need a, you need a joiner at that point. So uh, so shaker doors easy to do <laughs> piece of plywood. Um, but yeah, it, and the hard part really is okay. Great, you know what general look you want in the kitchen. How do you then? turn that into a set of plans because i think there's a lot of people that you you give them the, the the plans and some wood and they can do that how do you take your idea and go through that whole process that's 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 the challenge uh there are some tools and i, I can mention a couple that i used uh when i was building the, the kitchen cabinets um i used uh to plan the layout and god's honest truth the layout was really hard um and by layout, I mean like what cabinet goes where. Where do you put the sink? Where do you put the fridge? Where do you put the dishwasher? Where do you put? There's you know the general rules where you have the sink and the dishwasher, and and the, where the oven goes, the and, and, and over the window, and all that stuff. But um, we had a very small kitchen with with kind of restrictions of where the door and the windows were, and uh, that was a challenge making that all work. Uh, so I used IKEA's uh, kitchen planning tool. So back in 2007, 2008, they had this program available online. I think they still have it. It's free. And you could pick IKEA cabinets and you can basically draw a room or you can set the dimensions of your kitchen space or your width and the length of your room and put the doors and windows where you want. And you can drag and drop IKEA products into that drawing of your room. And the nice thing is, okay, yeah, you're not going to buy the IKEA cabinets unless you want to, which is fine. But the IKEA cabinets are all standard cabinet dimensions. So even if you're going to you know, go out and buy a different set of cabinets, you can still use their tool to plan that where each cabinet goes. So I use their tool to pick how big each cabinet was in each location. You can move them around. And I ended up getting one cabinet, actually the one base and one upper that were custom in size. Everything else was stock sizes, you know. So we're talking measurements in, in units of threes. So a a a um, twenty four inch cabinet, twenty seven inch cabinet, thirty inch cabinet, that kind of thing. And you're talking about the width of those cabinets. So I was able to use IKEA's tool for that, and then I figured out because now I know how many X, Y, and Z width cabinets and how tall they're going to be because just basic standard cabinet dimensions. I can then, I used another program to give me a cut list and a material list. And, and I, at the time I used a program called cabinet planner and that's available on cabinetplanner.com. Cabinetplanner.com. You just, um, it's, yeah, it's, it was really useful. I think it was like a hundred bucks, but again, like you said, the grand scheme of things, it, it, compared to kitchen costs, it was, it's really nothing. But um, put in each cabinet, each feature, how you, and it at, you know, kind of has defaults for how you're going to build it. So you can specify face frame or pocket screws, or are you going to dado the face frame to the cabinets, the boxes, or are you going to uh, use pocket screws or whatever? Uh, you can kind of specify all that, and then it spits out a list of all the parts you need to buy, how many board feet of the lumber, how, how many sheets of 4x8 plywood you need, and then it gives you the cut sheets and, and all that stuff. So I was able to just take that and, and call a, a lumber supply company and say, okay, give me 10 sheets of plywood, give me you know 100 board feet or whatever it was, and, and then I was able to get to work from there. Uh, but um, yeah, there are tools that make that whole process easier. So you've actually taken your experience from building your kitchen and you have compiled all that information into a book. Yes. Um, so that is, uh, I guess, kind of the latest thing we're doing now. Or, um, so the book is the book is actually called Renovate Your Kitchen the Smart Way. And it's 
pretty much a, a synthesis. Uh, uh, everything I've learn from my previous house and, and uh, everything I've learned up to date with this house and kind of just coalesced it in, into a, a, a big package of lessons learned. And um, it's, it's more of a guide on how to go from A to Z. And, and to be honest with you, talking with friends and family about um, homes and people ask you questions about, hey, I'm thinking about doing this in my kitchen or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to renovate my kitchen. The biggest p- problem people have, I think, is just really planning it. Um, most people's expectations aren't they're going to build their own cabinets or they're going to do anything, anything like that. Uh, you could do that. You could save a ton of money doing that. And if you're interested in it, I would encourage you to do that. But most people say, like, God, where do I begin? How much is this going to cost me? Um, you know, what contractor did you use? Do you have any recommendations for anybody? Uh, th- those are the most common types of things. How do, how do, how do I know much, how much work is going to be, is going to be required? Um, what if I run into issues? I've heard, you know, I've had bad experiences with contractors. So I, I really wanted to synthesize my experience with, with, uh, planning a budget, figuring out how much scope is required, um, how to find and hire the right general contractor kind of just that whole it's really more of a, almost like a project management book so i, I mean I'm, I'm a huge i guess uh writer of tu- tu- uh, tutorials and, and diy stuff and videos on and youtube all that stuff and um this is really not a book full of tutorials it's more like uh let me take you by the hand and just kind of walk you through everything you need to do everything you need to know before you even start thinking about how this kitchen is going to work. And, and we start by um, one of the big takeaways I encourage people to do is you, you really need, so you need three things, uh, actually four. Okay. And I'll, I'll give you, I'll tell you the first one. The first one is you really need to figure out whether or not you really need to do the kitchen renovation. You really need to have, have an honest conversation about why you're going to renovate your kitchen. And if you really need to do it, because I think, I think too many people assume, make assumptions that may not be correct. Um, you know, you really need to take a look at your neighborhood and, and what your home has and what other people have. And not that that is important on some kind of material materialism level or, or, you know, the grass is always greener, but you know, are you, are you planning on selling the house soon or are you going to live there forever? And if you think you need to renovate your house to, um, to get your money back, you really need to, re- you just really need to think about that. Talk to a realtor, make sure that, what you're doing is prudent, and it's the smart thing to do. You don't want to um, Of course, if you, if you decide you do need to renovate it, the big three things you need, you need to figure out what your budget is. You need to fi- figure out what the scope of the work is. How much? So that's like how much work is really needed to be done. And then the last thing is, uh, and this is kind of a new thing, or if, if you're not, uh, I'm kind of coming at this from an engineering perspective, um, and I'm kind of using my just my background with engineering for this last thing. But it, it is a functional requirement. So why wh- that? I mean, what, what is functional requirements? That sounds kind of technical, but it, it's what are you really going to be using and doing in the kitchen? Um, so. And, and the perfect example I give of this, or, or at least a, a very relevant example, is um, you know, there's you're going to buy a computer. If you've ever bought a computer, I mean, chances are you, you want something better than what you have, or you want to you want, a, you want the, uh, the processor to be so fast, you want so much RAM, or um, you want certain capabilities of the computer, and then 
you, you tend to look at maybe looks or uh, some other features that aren't necessary. And, and so you want to approach your kitchen renovation like you're buying a ma- something major like that. So you're really starting with, you're not starting with the looks first. You're starting with what are you going to be doing in the kitchen? How many people use it? You kind of go through that whole litany of, of, of tests or questions that you really need to ask yourself, um, you know, just, just so you end up getting the kitchen you, 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 you will use properly. Um, cause it's, it, we all go through these, um, kitchen magazines and, and home and bath magazines and all that stuff. And you see these, these absolutely gorgeous spaces and, and, you know, they've got marble and, and, you know, espresso machines and all this crazy stuff. And, um, God, I I would, I want that kitchen. That's the one I want. I saw this on Pinterest. I want that thing and this thing and this thing. And, um, you need to step back from that first and and figure out what you really need, um, on a, uh, on a daily use basis and start with that and then go to looks next. And, and okay, okay, great. Once you get that all that figured out, okay, now what color cabinets do you want? Do you want to stain? Do you want to paint them? All that stuff. So, um, so the book really, the first half of the book walks you through that, how to find a general contractor, where to look, where not to look, what resources you can use, what questions you ask them, um, how do you know if, if, if a guy's going to be a bum or not. Um, and then because, I mean, because I'm a DIY blogger, I, um, I did spend the second half of the book is, is just ways, uh, some, some recommendations and some strategies you can use um, to save money uh, on on your, on your renovation, because, uh, I mean, if you're gonna renovate your kitchen, you, you have so much money, uh, the material costs are going to end up being huge. Uh, so, and I guess I, I can mention that the two biggest ways you can save on your home or your kitchen renovation that people often don't try. Obviously we just, we talked about cabinets. Um, cabinets is one of them cabinets and, and you don't have to build them from scratch if you don't want to, but like you mentioned, you can, you can have them refinished, but you can also, um, take the doors off, take measurements, find a guy online that makes doors, buy the doors, put them in yourself. Um, you can do drawer boxes like we mentioned before. You can buy ready to assemble cabinets that haven't been painted or stained. Um, the other thing is, is, is take a hard look at countertops. Um, you know, granite's gorgeous. And if you love granite, knock yourself out. If, if you think you're going to use it well and, and, uh, it meets that passes that first functionality test that you, you're, it, it's going to meet your needs. Um, why wouldn't granite meet your needs? Well, if you've got a lot of little kids that spilled juice all over the time, you know, the place and, 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 uh, granite can, can be stained. So, um, or if you have, if you really want marble, and you have little kids, eh, probably not a great idea. Marble is worse than granite for that. Exactly. It's like a sponge, right? So um, a couple of really good DIY options for cabinets are concrete is, is one of them. Concrete, you can, um, you can make very, very inexpensively. Uh, you do need a couple of tools that you may have to rent. And, and some having some, some you know, uh, power tool experience is helpful. You can make can- uh, concrete countertops for a couple hundred bucks. Uh, and you can make them thicker than granite. You can make two or three inch thick uh, concrete countertops. You can make them black. You kind of limited in your color selections with concrete, but um, I think people kind of overlook that. It also has more of an, an urban look to it. 
more a little more industrial kind of like old warehouse look to it but you know it, it can look pretty good uh you also can look at butcher block ikea sells a butcher block booze brothers sells a butcher block you can buy butcher block you can make your own butcher block and and that's you know in terms of pricing significantly cheaper than marble or granite um so i mean so the book basically uh, is is planning your kitchen execution and, and going through it and, and then what to do in the, when, once the kitchen renovation starts and what you you know what you need what conversations you need to have with your general contractor all the way through all right now that you know what's what's going to happen with the renovation here are some strategies and some techniques you can use to um, to try to save some money so uh, I guess I'll mention the the book is available for sale at kitchenrenovationbook.com and um, you can go there to check out the sales page. And I guess we want to mention your uh, the link, Doug. I'll, I'll have a banner up on the show notes page for this episode. I, I just want to skip back for a couple seconds here sure. because um, we you touched on this when you were talking about the book. Yeah. And it's something that a lot of people don't think about when they're doing a major renovation like a kitchen. You just touched on the, uh, the functionality. There's, yes. Um, I, I was just thinking as you were saying that, you know, a wine cooler is really nice. Seeing some really nice wine coolers in the uh, on Home Depot or whatever. You know, wouldn't that look nice in the kitchen? I don't drink wine. <laughs> My wife doesn't drink wine. It has no place in our kitchen. But right, right. if every other house in your neighborhood has a wine cooler, that is something to consider putting in. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, that kind of... You'd have to go back to that first question and, and what is it? Why are you doing it? And 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 what does everybody else have? Right. So if if your goal is to sell the house, if you're going to be selling, everybody's got a wine cooler. Probably right. not a bad idea. If you're going right? to be selling in the next few years, you know you right. got to be thinking resale. If it's your forever house, you're not planning to move until right. The, you know they pull you out in the casket. Right. Then and you don't. You're not a wine drinker. You, 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 you don't, don't need a wine cooler. Yeah. Right, and, exactly. you know, the same goes with over-improving, too. Um, right. If every other house in your neighborhood has granite countertops, that is something you need to consider. Right. But at the same time, if every other house in your neighborhood only has laminate countertops, and you put in the best granite you can find, the most expensive granite, you're not going right. to see the money out of that. Right. You're wasting your money. I mean, But, it, but if, if you if love granite, you love it, if, if you love but granite if, and you're staying there for a while... you think you're going to get a return on that investment, you're not. Absolutely. It's very unlikely. Right. Good point. At this point, as we're getting ready to wrap up here, um, let's just remind the uh, listeners what your website is. Yeah, the website is ourhomefromscratch.com, and that's my my main blog. And what exactly can they expect to find there? And, you know, I, I don't know if I asked this before, but who exactly yeah. is the website aimed at? What What is, who is your yeah. audience? Great, yeah, great question. So um, I guess principally my goal is to um, help people uh Add value to their homes. So, um, and and then the target audience then really is anyone who's interested in doing that. Um, so we have a pretty eclectic mix of of readers, uh, both men and women. Um, I think we we get a lot of people who are mostly interested in some of the cabinet and woodworking projects, but really in trying to kind of cultivate a I guess a base of understanding of uh, of just general home skills and then translating those skills into value added projects. So whatever your home needs and whatever you know you know your home, what do you want to do, and and then what do you need to get there? 
Um, so I, I kind of feel like at, at least, you know, I'm 36, um, our generation, um, has kind of lost some of those home improvement or, or just, you know, I don't want to say trade skills, but you know, there's certainly a decline in that, uh, in this era of the internet, we, we've gotten some of it back with YouTube and, and people being able to share these experiences. But, you know, when I was growing up, my, you know, my grandparents could, they could build anything, you know, and I, I feel like our generation stinks at that. So part of it is, is this, um, yearn for some of that hands-on stuff again, but yeah, really, I really just want people to um, to to be able to build what they want to build for their own home, or fix, or repair, or whatever they want to do in their own house. To be able to understand how to do it, and if they choose not to do it and hire it out, great, and, you know, then they know how to do it. But um, yeah, that's that's who I'm looking for is and is people who who just really want to add add value to their house. Yeah, because the the point of view that I'm approaching things myself now is. I came from a place where I had no experience and no background whatsoever. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking at there's got to be people out there that are in the same boat that I was, that, right. that are coming into this thing. And owning a house can be extremely overwhelming. So what is the one piece of advice that you would give a brand new homeowner who might be in that situation where they might be kind of overwhelmed by the, the whole home ownership thing? Yeah, that's a really good question, uh, and there's a lot of ways to answer it. I, um, a couple things I, w- I would just say really two quick things, and, and that uh, number one is, um, and this is going to sound like a geeky answer, but always pull permits. I, you know, I, I'm going to get cracked on for that, but I always find that um, the, you know the, the local government or the local inspectors got a ton of experience and um most of the time they're very willing to help you do something uh depending upon where you live and the other thing i would say is don't be afraid to stop and ask questions um no matter what project you're working on um you know check multiple multiple um references youtube's great but you know I used to um, get a quote occasionally from a contractor and I'd ask them how they're going to do something and then I'd figure out how to do that. Um, so don't be afraid, though, that, you know, making mistakes is fine. Making mistakes of plumbing and electrical work can be costly. So, tend you know, try to lean on some of those folks that, that you know that are very skilled and experienced with that stuff um, and, and then kind of grow from there. But yeah, that's, that's kind of what I, the big, I always tell people to pull permits. And if you have any questions, ask that those are my big two pieces of advice. Yeah. Because YouTube is a great resource. There's a lot of good information on YouTube, but there's also yeah. a lot of bad information on YouTube. Yeah. You, so be careful. You, you absolutely have to be careful. You have to, um, you have to do your research. That's right. All right. Well, John, I, I would like to thank you very much for joining me. Um, let's uh, let's tell people where they can find you on the uh, on the interwebs and uh, okay. social media and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, best place to go would just be www.ourhomefromscratch.com. And um, that's my main blog. And on that main page, uh, you can find links to all my social media, Twitter, Facebook, and um, YouTube channels and all that stuff. That'd probably be the best place to find me. All right. Well, once again, thank you very much. Doug, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. It's great. I hope you enjoyed that interview with John Gerard from Our Home From Scratch. Visit the show notes page at thumbandhammer.com slash six for links to the resources that were mentioned, 
along with a link to John's book, Renovate Your Kitchen the Smart Way. I, I do earn an affiliate commission for any books purchased when you click through my link, so thank you in advance. Anyway, you can leave a comment, you can join my email list, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. You can do all of that from the website. Once again, the show notes page for this episode is thumbandhammer.com slash six. That's going to do it for this time. Uh, Talk to you next week. Cheers. Cheers.